Bizchus HaRav and El Presidente. This week's Parsha, Parsha's Nitzavim. The first Pazak reads, Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kulchem Lifnei Hashem Elokeichem. You stand this day, all of you, before Hashem your God. Comes along Rav Yitzchak ben Moshe Rama in his Sefer Akedas Yitzchak. And he says, just like Adam HaRishon was standing before Hashem in Pardes, when, he, when Hashem created him, so too we had in this moment a chance to stand upright before Hashem. All we had to do was bridge the gap between ourselves and Hashem. What exactly is he comparing us to Adam HaRishon in this moment? What, what's the connection? What exactly is he saying over here? Let's break it down. So Adam HaRishon initially, he had no Yetzirah. He stood before Hashem, pure, no ulterior motives. He was tam, he was pure. There was nothing obstructing the bridge between him and Hashem. What happened? Came along the Nachash. Here was Adam, pure, simple, just a pure reflection of divine light. Hashem gave him just two instructions in his life. You can eat from any tree, number one. But number two, not this tree, not the Eitz Hadas. Pretty simple, no curveballs over here. Eat from any tree, but not this one. Done. That's all he had to do. Otherwise, just be, just do your thing. And here comes the Nachash. The Nachash was more cunning, more sophisticated, more intellectually complex than any other creature. And it was this complexity that led to his downfall. The snake used his sophistication, he used his complexity, his cunning to lure, to seduce Adam v'chava to sin. And because the Nachash did that, he was cursed. For eternity. As Rashi says, Arum Mikol, Arur Mikol. The Nachash was more sophisticated than all, but it was more cursed than all. We're going to be standing before Hashem in just a few days. What can we do to bridge this gap? What's the key to bridging this gap that Rav Yitzhak ben Moshe Arama is referring to over here? I heard a great story about the Chavitz Chaim in a shir by Rav Yitzhak Breidowitz. The Chavitz Chaim was just nifter. It was his shiva. And a few people came up to his son, to the Chavitz Chaim's son. And they said to the son, listen, we're so saddened that the Chavitz Chaim just passed away as everybody was. We wanted just to honor him. Can we hear, just give us like one story of one of his, you know, he was such a miracle worker, the Chavitz Chaim. People came to him for brachos. They would ask him for things. He would, he would give them a bracha, it would come true. And we've heard a bunch of the stories, but you're his son. You probably know the deep cuts. You probably know stories that no one else is privy to. Give us one of those stories. Just give us some chizuk during this difficult time to honor the Chavitz Chaim. So the son looked at them and he said, you know, my father, he was more concerned with God decrees and Sadiq listens than Sadiq decrees and God listens. Are the stories true? Yeah, the stories are true. But it wasn't like the Chafiz Chaim was going around thinking, how can I like, you know, tell Hashem that, that, that he should make this happen to this person, that happen to this person. That's not how the Chafiz Chaim existed. He was only concerned with, with his entire heart, with his entire being. He was concerned with doing what Hashem wants, not thinking how he can help other people by making Hashem do what, what he wants. To illustrate that a little bit more, there's a story about Abe Lincoln. He was in a cabinet meeting. And someone came up to him and said, the union is surely going to win, Mr. President, because God is definitely on our side. And then Abe Lincoln looked at this man and he said, I'm more concerned with us being on God's side. It's a more holistic approach. It's not, oh, I'm entitled because, because I do X, Y is going to happen. No, that's not how to exist. That's not how to be. 
The B is to be whole, to be all in, wholehearted in service of God, and the rest will take care of itself. Hashem told Avraham, Walk before me and be tamim, be pure, be sincere, wholehearted with me. And I, Hashem, will then place my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you, make you great, etc. According to the Maharal, to mimus, to be tam, is the most desirable character trait you can have. It's often translated as perfect, but really it means innocent, sincere, not having any ulterior motives. Are we looking to gain something from a relationship with Hashem? Oh, if I dive in every day, then Hashem is going to give me this big bonus that I've been you know, yearning for. He's going to give me this, he's going to give me that. Are we looking to serve Hashem earnestly? Are we making cheshbonos in our head? Are we, ma- are we making plans, these ideas? Oh, if I just do this, and if I do that, then this is going to happen. Are we going to come on Rosh Hashanah and be like, Hashem, listen, I promise I'm going to be like really good this year. Just give me everything. I, 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 I'm, try- I'm telling you. And listen, that's great. And partially, maybe it's true, but it's not exactly how the world works. Really, we have to have this more holistic idea of how it works. Be servants of Hashem, and the rest will take care of itself. We can just benefit much more by just being, allowing our true selves to be expressed like Adam in Pardis, before the sin, before the Yetzir, before the complexity, before the sophistication came in and, and interrupted that. And yes, we should have a game plan going into Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to think about this during my praying. I'm going to ask for this. I'm going to talk to Hashem about that. But we shouldn't be afraid to just be in the moment, to stand before Hashem with just a true presence. Just be all there, be engaged. Like we said last week, Va'ata, now is the best time. Avraham was 99 years old when Hashem told him, Ve'hayatamu. 99. It's never too late. There's never an excuse. Just be in, in it now. There's a story about the Radbaz, Rabbi David ben Zimra. There was a Jew at the time he was incarcerated in prison, in debtor's prison. And, you know, he, he was there for a while. Finally, they said to him, we're going to give you one day. One day we're going to be treated like a free man. You can do anything you want. So this man immediately was thinking, oh my gosh, wow, um, what day should I choose? So they let him choose which day he was, he was going to be free for that day. Which day should I choose? Should I do Rosh Hashanah? Should I do Yom Kippur? Should I do Hanukkah? Should I do like, what? oh my God, like Pesach, maybe I should do Pesach and do a Seder. Like what day? I don't know. So he's asking different rabbis. he was sending letters. And the rabbis came back with an answer. He said, forget about the Yom Tovim. Forget about... Shabbos today as soon as you can the, the moment that you can get you can choose that day make it that day make it right now now is the best time we can't harp on the past the future how we failed how we need to do this how we need to do that oh I messed up here I messed up there yes do we have to do shuva 100% but to obsess over your mistakes to make this man all about how horrible you are is not to make that the focal point it's, it's missing the mark it's the ego, it's the yater, the complexity, the sophistication is getting in the way. It's widening the gap. And how do we bridge it with this timimus? Removing ourselves, our egos. When Yaakov woke up from his dream, he said, Surely Hashem is present in this place. But I didn't know it before. He knew it after he dreamed, after he went to sleep. The I didn't know it. Only during his dream, with the, when his consciousness, his ego was removed, did he have the most pure and profound divine experience of his life. The Piazetz Narov says, I think I mentioned this a while, while ago, what does the Gemara mean when it says a dream is one sixtieth of a prophetic experience? What does it mean if I dream, I'm not a Navi, but when I dream, I have some sort of semblance of a prophetic experience. Because when we dream, we have no ego. It's our subconscious takes over. And it's in this state 
that we're closest to Hashem, when our eye is removed. I'll just end with a, a quick famous story. Many people probably know it about the Baal Shem Tov. There was a villager and he used to pray um, at the shul of the Baal Shem Tov um, on the Yom Naraim. He had a child, this man, and he wasn't, he, his wits weren't about him. He had like, uh, he, he, he wasn't so sophisticated. He wasn't so complex. He didn't even know how to pray. And his father never brought him along with him. But when the boy became Bar Mitzvah, the father said, okay, now I got to take him to the, to the shul for Yom Kippur. So he came to the Baal Shem Tov shul on Yom Kippur, and the boy, all he had was a flute. And he used to play the flute all the time. When he sat in the field, whatever he was doing, he always had his flute with him, he was always playing it. So naturally, when his father took him to, to shul on Yom Kippur, the boy, he had nothing else, he didn't know anything else, all he knew was his flute. So he took it, he put it in his pocket, and he went with his father. And he sat in the shul on Yom Kippur. He didn't pray, he didn't know how to pray. He saw everybody else praying, crying, shuckling back and forth, having this experience, this connection. The boy wanted to have that connection too. Yes, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, wasn't so complex, but he understood that these people are having this connection. I want that. I want to experience that. So he said to his father, I want to play the flute. And his father was terrified. The Baal Shem Tov is, is several feet away from him right now. Are you kidding me? You're going to play the flute? The boy, he, he, he told him, no, absolutely not. During the, the mincha, the father, he said to his father again, let me play my flute. Finally comes Ne'ila, the holiest time of the day of Yom Kippur. The boy can't restrain himself anymore. He takes out the flute and he sounds it as loud as he possibly can. Everyone stopped, including the Baal Shem Tov. And, and he shortened his prayer. After the prayer, after Ne'ila was done, Baal Shem Tov said, with the sound of this flute, the child lifted up all the prayers and eased my burden, he said. For this child, he doesn't know any, he doesn't know any better. He just sounded the flute from the heart with almost like a, like a naivete. And yes, of course, playing a flute during this man, during Yom Kippur is Aser, but it was something about the boy playing the string of his heart, expressing his heart, being in the moment, even without the knowledge that was necessary in order to pray, it didn't matter. He expressed himself purely, wholeheartedly, with Tamimus. Bezrat Hashem, we should seize the moment today, right now, to do something holy, something good, and we'll come to Hashem, God willing, with a pure and whole heart, unobstructed by anxieties, negativity, thoughts about things ought to be, how things should have been, and we'll be able to express our true selves through the Mita of Tamimus, and God willing, we'll have a Hei Rosh Hashanah, and be inscribed for tremendous, tremendous things this year. Have a great Shabbos.